That's exactly what we want to do as we begin today. We've been looking at Miriam's life and her response uh, for these last couple of weeks, and we'll finish that series today. But before we look at what we can learn through her and about her, we just simply want to look at what, what do we see of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, we saw how he was sovereignly working through Miriam to bring about Moses' good, but also good for his people and really all of salvation history. And that's really what we bump into first in this very difficult chapter. We first bump into the Lord working. Going back to, to verse 3, I'll admit to you, that's a, that's a hard verse to read. Who wrote verse 3? Who do we believe uh, wrote these first five books of the Bible? Moses. And what does he say here? just want to let you know Moses is the most humble guy that ever... Uh, well, that's because we believe Moses didn't, he wasn't the only author of this. And I wonder if it was the Lord having to say, Moses, put that down. Because of what just happened there, by the leading, or as we say, God has breathed his scripture, it has been inspired by his Holy Spirit, Moses, make sure to put that part down because of what I'm about to do. Uh, you see God working. Um, and listen, Miriam and, and Aaron call Moses out. And it's not about that Cushite woman. That's just something they're leading with to get to the heart of the issue. They're arguing really about Moses's authority and position with God. I was standing in line at Walmart in McGee, Mississippi years ago. And here I was in the back of the line. In front of me were two women. And then in front of them were about eight guys. And right in the middle of them was Air McNair, Steve McNair, Tennessee Titan, right? Three-time Pro Bowler, had gone to the Super Bowl, uh, lost it like on the last play, won the Walter Payton Award in college, a Mississippi quarterback, a college legend from Mississippi. He's there with his guys, and I'm thinking I'd like to meet him, but they're getting, you could tell they were getting some things for a big barbecue, and I was like, I just, I don't want to get in the middle. And I knew I'd see him again. He spent a lot of time in that area. So I said, I just won't bug him. So he got through with his guys, and they left Walmart. And as soon as they got out of hearing distance, one of the women said to the other woman, he's my second cousin. He ain't nothing. <laughs> Three-time Pro Bowler, Walter Payton Award, got him down to the one-yard line in Super Bowl. Miriam and Aaron, he ain't nothing. We speak for God too. What's so special about him? You go back to the last chapter. I don't know how they get this. Mo Moses is far from perfect. But you go back to the last chapter. Moses has the spirit on him in such a powerful way throughout this entire story. And uh, God says, I'm, I'm going to take the Spirit from you and I'm going to distribute it to 70 folks, 70 people. We're going to get more going on. And there they were in the camp. And even two people end up going outside and they're still speaking and the Spirit's on them. And people, you know how it is. Somebody's got a wire. That, why do they get to do that? Why are they still doing that? And so they bring it to Moses' attention. And just like Moses, he says, what about me? No. What does he say? I wish everybody would prophesy. I wish all of us 
would have that gift. He's a glory sharer. He's a ministry sharer. You've seen it in his past. You see it in the last chapter. And you see it here as well. There's no grasping for look at me. There's no self-glory. These two people say, hey, we're speaking for God too. And Moses doesn't say a thing. This is Moses. And listen, it's just like God then to speak and say to them, you know, yes, you have a ministry too. But this is different with Moses. It's, some of your translations will say mouth to mouth, face to face. Look, Moses is no pushover. But he doesn't say anything here. And you know why? If you're taking notes, letter D, we're going to walk through that here. Because God's your defender. God is our defender. Even when we don't see him working, we don't feel him working, Moses certainly uh, may have let this slip. He may have let this go unanswered. But God didn't. Go back to verse 2. It says that God heard it, that God listened. Before Moses could say a word, verse 2 said the Lord heard it. This is like a super mom with their superpowers. If you've got four, five, six children and you hear a creak upstairs in the middle of the night, not only do you know which child's creak it is, you know what they're actually trying to do. Bobby, put down the G.I. Joe. Sally, don't go get another glass of milk. It's you have this mysterious power. I love that our Lord is our defender, even when we don't know it. He hears their complaints. And he speaks up for Moses. The hymn writer is correct. He is our shield and defender. The psalmist is correct when he speaks of God as our help and our shield, our hiding place, our rock, our fortress, our deliverer. At the very beginning of Psalm 43, David says, Vindicate me, Lord. And the Lord does that for David. And he does that for Moses here. And he does that for us. When people are pointing the finger at you, when people are complaining about this or that, understand the Lord is your defender. He goes before you. Before Moses says a word, God listened and God stepped in. And I, I think Moses needed that. If I'm Moses, I'm tempted to not push back against these two. And it's not just two against one. But think of the temptation in his life for Moses. Here are two family members barking at me. Maybe I have to defer to family. Or, get this, it's a priest and the first named prophet. Priest and prophet had a word of correction for me. And so I need to defer to that. Listen, we've been reading through the book of Ezekiel in our three-year Bible reading plan. That's been a hard read, but what you're seeing in the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Isaiah, what we're seeing is the human heart can be the most deceptive thing on the planet. And now here are these two people saying, hey, you, 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 you need to share glory with us. Hey, God speaks through us too. And you might be tempted to back down. Now listen, 
we need other voices. You can't be a Christian. You can't be a Methodist without saying we need others investing in our lives and speaking into our lives. But listen, in this world, and you see it here as well, we've got to be critical of other voices. Two, a handful, not two, more than two of, of my heroes in the faith have recently either fallen morally or they've just gone way out in, into almost into heresy with one or two things that they believe. These are voices I counted on. That's why you and I have to be faithful to always take every thought captive as the word says. That's why you and I can never relax. That's why you and I must be students of the word because the primary way that God speaks to his people is in his word. And we need other voices for it, but we've actually got to be careful with and critical of other voices because these two are of God. These two people are called of God. These two people are equipped of God, but they are dead wrong right here. And so we've got to be in the word. We've got to be prayerful, and we've got to be careful with any voice in our life pushing us on things that we know that's, that's not of the Lord. Moses may have, may have backed off Praise God that God is our defender and he stands in the gap and says, oh, no, no, no. He's your defender. Even when you can't see him, he is sovereignly working to vindicate his people. As you live for him, as you take it on the chin for being a child of his kingdom, and that happens more than ever in this culture, when you stand up for him, he will be your defender. But as we follow the Lord, too, there's a pattern that we see throughout the Old and New Testaments, too. And this is, this is hard to talk about, but God is so good, he does this ministry as well. He doesn't just defend, he disciplines. And there's discipline here from the Lord with Aaron and, and, and Miriam for what they've done. He disciplines here. Yes, as John 1.14 says of Jesus, he's full of grace. God is full of mercy but he's also full of truth. And so God disciplines those, as Scripture says, the Old Testament and New, he disciplines those whom he loves. And we have to be open to that work. He defends and he disciplines. And when you, when you look at this, obviously there's a, there's a struggle. As you look at this, it may, it may seem unfair. Because who gets disciplined? Looks like it's just Miriam. Doesn't it? Now, wait a minute. The text says they. It doesn't say she. It says they. Aaron's in on it. You go back to Psalm, I mean, Genesis, not Genesis. You go back uh, to Exodus 32. He makes a golden calf or a pagan bull for them to worship. He says, yeah, bring me your stuff and we'll melt it down. Three, four chapters before that, he's consecrated as a priest. He ought to know better. And yet, not only does he do that, then when he gets in trouble for it, he throws the people of God under the bus and blames them. This is, this is a couple of checks against him. Why is he not taking the blame here? Commentators think, well, it's because he's a priest. And he needs to be clean so that he can lead worship for the people because they're now going to be waiting on Miriam's uh, uh, period before she can come back into the camp. And the people need a priest. 
Uh, some people think it's because he needs to remain clean to be a priest so he can look upon her and verify, yes, this is what God has clearly said. This is leprosy, and if you're healed of it right now, you still have to wait seven days outside the camp to fulfill the law. And so he has to perform his priestly function. So we look at this and say, yes, this doesn't seem fair. But go to verse 1. It says Miriam and Aaron, but what you can't read in your translation is when you get to verse 2 and it says they begin to talk, it's feminine. It's feminine. And so most Bible commentators says not only does she say it, but it seems like what's being, being suggested here is that she's taking the lead on this. And she's the one calling Moses out. So maybe that's why. Maybe that's why she suffers the brunt of the discipline here. And God, again, speaks affirmation. Yes, I speak visions. I speak in visions or dreams to prophets just like you. But Moses, I've set him apart for something different, and I speak to him face to face. And so Miriam, just like Job, just like Jonah, just like Peter, when we ask God questions, God will give a word back. And sometimes it's a word of discipline. And I love what we see here. And Aaron, by the way, previously, he throws the people of God under the bus. But you see him learning through discipline and correction. What does he say here? He doesn't say her. He says us. This is on us. Even if she said it, even if she instigated it, he says us. And then he repents as well and says to Moses, cap, little, not capital, little L, oh my Lord. He, he submits to his authority, to his special place with God. You see Aaron learning from discipline and letting that discipline do its work. And so Moses, would you pray it was us, Moses. Say something to God. And do you remember Deuteronomy 9? God's angry with Aaron over the golden calf and God in his heart. I really should destroy him for this. Why doesn't he? Because Moses intervened and defended Aaron. Would you do that for Miriam today? Would you stand in the gap as you did for me? Would you pray for her that this would not be her discipline. No wonder he asks Moses, and so Moses prays. It's a great ministry to stand in the gap. I, uh, we were joking a few minutes ago before service about my dad. You know, my dad was my principal in high school, and really in, yeah, when I got to ninth grade, he was uh, my principal and, and for a while my football coach. And that, that led to a lot of interesting conversations when I would be sent to the office for different things. And uh, there might have been some discipline at home because of it, as well as discipline at school because of it. And uh, when I moved back to the Jackson area after college, and because my name is the same as my father's, Barry Male Sr., Barry Male Jr., I would get a lot of phone calls. This is so-and-so, and I'm mad about what you did to my daughter. I'm, you did this and blank. I mean, blankety, 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 blank. And I'm telling you, it was hard. Because I wanted to say, oh, yeah? Well, meet me tomorrow at school. Boom. <laughs> Knowing they called for my dad, upset about what he had done, and just, you know, want to call my dad the next day. How'd it go? How was your day? 
I think you're talking about my father. He loved to talk with you. I know he's got a heart for those students, so you guys can work it out. You stand in the gap. Aaron, he's culpable in some sense because he says us, he's learned what discipline is to do, to redeem us, to teach us, and we'll see as we close, to bring us back. Would you pray for her, Moses? And Moses prays for her. Just as Miriam had once stood in the gap for Moses when he's a child and says, I know somebody who might like to nurse him. Saves his life. Now Moses stands in the gap for her. And you think, well, that's not a big deal. He's Moses. Now look at this passage again. Go to verse 5. This is not God from a distance making his pronouncement and his discipline. He has come down in a pillar, has called them outside. He's been in their presence. And this is what Miriam's got to take on the chin for what she's done. And then he, how do you, how do you speak back to that? We're two seconds removed from that. I'll speak to God. It's just like him. To want our discipline to be for our good and to bring us back into the camp. Yeah, I'll speak up. To the one who's a pillar of fire. To the one who is utterly holy. Yeah, I know him. I talk to him. I bet he'll turn on this. And so there is a risk and a standing in the gap that Moses does for Miriam. And I don't know about you. Who is that for you? You're, you've been so faithful to do it in your prayer life, a family member, a friend. Just keep standing in the gap and say, I'm going to keep praying that God would intervene. Or maybe when it's risky to stand up for God and say, whatever needs to be said. We see evidences of Miriam, Aaron, and Moses at different times standing in the gap when they were called to stand in the gap. And listen, what does Miriam say about her discipline? She was very quick to say, you, I speak for God too, what about me? What does she say? And this is one of the reasons I look at this discipline and say, it had to have been fair. It had to have been holy. Because you know what Miriam says about it? Not a word. Not a word. So quick to speak and to point, not a word here. When you go back to Psalm 18 that speaks of God being our shield, our deliverer, when it starts, it starts with he, he is blameless. She understands his character. And whatever he does, it's right and it's out of holy love, and she receives that discipline. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good reminder for us, whenever discipline comes, the goal is always redemption, and the goal is always reconciliation. It's sad. In the church, so often, we shoot our wounded. Uh, I have a, f a family member whose best friend, uh, when they were younger, made some mistakes in life. And the church found out about it. And I just remember talking to him decades later, being in his home, talking to him. He knew I was a pastor talking to me. And he said, as I went through that season, nobody but your family member, Barry, nobody from the church said a word to us. Nobody. How important it is. The goal of any discipline is reconciliation, to bring people home to the Lord. 
So whatever word's going to be said in our home about discipline with our children or grandchildren, whatever corporate discipline needs to happen, the heart of it always is redemption and reconciliation, not look at you and what you've done. And Miriam here receives it. She knows, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty two. 32, even then she knew what Paul would say. If we're disciplined by the Lord, it's so that we won't be condemned in the future with the world. Or Proverbs 3 and Hebrews 12, it's out of his great love for us that he does this work. When, Lord, when the Lord brings a word of correction, the goal is redemption and the goal is reconciliation. Don't push back on it. Let the Lord do that work because he's drawing you to himself to restore you. How is it you and I over these weeks need to hear this word? And listen, this is a hard word for Miriam, but it's not the last word. And I love that the the last word comes through another prophet. It's Micah, when he talks about out of the goodness of God. It's right before he says those words, he has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of of thee, right? We all remember that, Micah 6, 8. But just before that, he says, God, out of his goodness, he sent you Moses. He sent you Aaron, and he sent you Miriam. What do we need to learn from her life? To be able to stand in the gap as she did for Moses, to put herself close to needs so she could be there? Is there some place you need to step out of your comfort zone and be close to needs where you can be uh, the hands and feet of Christ? How is it you and I need to learn and be careful not to envy others, to be content with the ministries that we have? And even uh, today, how is it we need to... um, be more discerning when there are other voices in our life? How is it you and I need to, to just rest and know that God is our defender? Just as he stepped in for Moses, he will step in, in and vindicate us. How is it you and I need to be open to however the Lord is choosing to work in our lives, even if it's for discipline, trusting that his ways are blameless and it's for our good? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this, your word, and these weeks together to see your servant that you sent. Uh, Father, we thank you for what we see about you. We trust you with whatever you want to do in our lives to grow us, but especially to go before us and defend us. We thank you for that, that you are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Father, whatever we need to learn, if it's, if it's standing in the gap, if it's putting ourselves closer to need, if it's being open to discipline or, or having a godly discipline in our homes, Father, uh, we pray you would do that work. We trust you with that. In Christ's name we pray. And that's our closing.